All right, well, good morning, everyone. It is a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. And again, if, if I haven't met you, uh, my name is Clayton. I'm on the pastoral team. And uh, if you haven't figured it out, uh, I get to share with you this morning. And so, um, so I'm excited, maybe as excited as you are to hear what today's message is. So, because when I speak, I don't know. So, I'm not always exactly sure how it's going to come out. But uh, the reason I get to share this morning is. Uh, Pastor Matthew and Greg and Carrie and about nine others, uh, folks from our faith community, are in another country right now. Some of you, how many of you knew we have a team in Guatemala right now? Awesome. That's so cool. And so we get to be part of a family that we send out people to continue to spread the gospel in, in different parts of the world. And so it's an exciting thing that we get to do. I would encourage you, as you see social media posts and you think about it, pray for those teams. Because they are speaking, they're ministering, they're leading conferences, they're building houses, and we're praying for divine encounters that they can minister the hope and the love of God to the people of Guatemala. And so that's awesome. Amen. Is that good? All right. Well, um, today I want to, we're in uh, Acts chapter 2, and I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to read through the first 14 verses out of the honor of the reading of the word. Would you stand as we read through this? So if you've got your Fresh Start Bible, this is on page 949, and um, we're going to have fun this morning. All right. If you're familiar with this passage, you know why we're going to have fun this morning. All right. And starting in verse 1, here we go. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites. I'm probably going to mispronounce some of these. Uh, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phygeria, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, and, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, oh, they're just drunk, that's all. Let's, would you pray with me? Father, we bless the team down in Guatemala. We pray for divine encounters. Father, we pray for our time this morning. God, I, I invite you to speak through me. Father, your message to your people. I ask that it comes with clarity and, and strength. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Okay, well, um, Acts chapter 2 has a very dramatic history. 
And so before we get into the text of it, I want to, we're going to talk about some kind of his, historic kinds of things. Uh, typically, if you're in a charismatic church and somebody says, hey, would you preach on Acts chapter 2? That's like the speaker's dream, right? Because if you don't know in Acts chapter 2, there's fire, there's power, there's drama, there's tongues, there's all these things, right? And so people can get really stirred up about some of these things, which is good, mostly, all right? And we're going to talk about some of some of those things. This is kind of like the prime preaching chapter. If you're speaking to what I would call a charismatic or a spirit spirit filled church, now um, there's. Uh, however, this chapter hasn't come without cost. This chapter is probably one of the most debated, one of the most controversial uh, chapters. In the New Testament, and quite possibly might have been the cause of quite a few church splits. Um, and so, to say that this has drama both in the spiritual world and in the natural world is is, is for real. Okay. Now, um, there's a couple other things that I want to mention uh, coming into this chapter. I'm really excited to speak on this because I believe the Spirit of God. Is, is moving in a unique way. There's times and seasons where the Holy Spirit ebbs and flows. And um, if you're not used to kind of what I'm talking about, we see revivals that have popped up over histories. And, and there's kind of movements that, that move through churches and areas. And kind of specifically what I'm talking about, there's a couple examples that I want to share, is that a uh, pastor just finished up doing a spiritual beings class. And he said one of the reasons why he did that class is because in the side conversations he was happening, there was a stirring to understand supernatural things, right? And just me personally, in the last two weeks, I've received two prophetic words. Now, prophetic words is a fancy way of saying, hey, God put this on my heart for you. So that's pretty cool, right? And so I, it's been months since I have received a prophetic word. And so to have this kind of concentrated uh, uh, movement is significant. And not only that, last week or the week before, um, somebody gave a prophetic word over this church. And uh, we may be sharing that in the time to come. And so there's a stirring in spiritual things, and which is really exciting. I do believe that as we get closer to Jesus' return, whether it's 50 years or 500 years, there's going to be an increase in spiritual matters. We are spiritual people. So, are you ready? <laughs> Some of you are like, he said the word tongues. I'm not sure. I don't know, right? So, so this is, like I said, some of you are like, keep talking. Let's pray in tongues right now. Let's just stop. We just, and some of you are like, if you say the word tongues one more time, I'm out of here. So, I get it, all right? So, I am, uh, the invitation at the end is not good. Anyway, it will, this will be good, all right? So, relax, take a deep breath, okay? This is going to be really good together. All right, I want to read through the first four verses again of Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all believers were meeting together in one place, okay? And remember, the day of Pentecost was 50 days after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, right? So, Jesus was with them for 40 days. He was this, roughly 40 days. He ascended up, and he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for 
the promise, which is power, okay? So, and then, so then this is where we pick up. On the day of Pentecost, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, or your translation might say tongues, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, um, if you are familiar with what the term charismatic means. It's simply kind of a, uh, a defining line that uh, charismatics or spirit-filled uh, denominations might say, we believe in the whole ministry of the Holy Spirit, okay? And that means gifts and tongues, that the Holy Spirit is moving today in power. There's, an, there's other denominations that say, we believe in the Holy Spirit, but we're not so sure about all of that other stuff. And so we're going to stick with the word, okay? Sticking with the word is good. But we believe that we need to stick with the word and we need to have power, okay? And that's what we're going to explore this morning, all right? Now, before we get into the power, I want to get to a, a little bit of a context. There's some, a couple of important things that I want to explore uh, as we get to the power piece. Because it's important for us to understand where we are in history and our role in the church. All right? So, um, so the first thing is we're going to talk about the promise and what that is. Remember from last week, Acts chapter, Acts 1.8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling, telling people about me everywhere. I'm going to refer to that verse quite a few times because it's important that we anchor our mission to, to that. Okay, so uh, in Acts chapter 2, anytime we're reading in Scripture uh, and we're introduced to a new character, I think it's important to kind of pause, okay? Especially if it's one of the Godhead, right? Okay, we've got Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has now introduced himself to the earth. And so I want to look at every time... The members of the Godhead introduce himself to humanity because we're going to see a pattern in this. And I want to just touch on this briefly. But I want to go back and I want you to think about the first time God introduced, God the Father introduced himself to humanity. Okay? All the way back in Genesis 8. And um, now, if I was God, he could, which I'm not, uh, he could have done this a lot, a lot, a lot of different ways. Right? But what he did, he could have created hundreds of thousands of people in the Garden of Eden, you know, and like peeked his head through the, the, the heavens and been like, hey, I'm God. We're going to have a relationship. You should serve me. And it's going to be cool. But he didn't do that. Now, some of us, how many of we, um, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but there's a lot of people who said, God, if you're real, prove it. Show it to me. I'm going to tell you why he doesn't do that here in just a minute. Okay, but back in Genesis 1, 28. This is how God chose to introduce himself to humanity. He created two people, put them in a garden, and he said, let's walk. And he hung out with them, and he built a relationship with them. Genesis 1.28 says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Fill the earth, govern it. Rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. 
See, God made the boundaries, the resources. He established the natural and physical laws, and then he put two people in charge. Okay? We are descendants of those peoples, right? Okay? Now, let's look at when Jesus was introduced himself to humanity. Okay, we're going to see a similar pattern starting to form. Jesus introduced, now see, if I was a marketing manager, you know, for my son to enter the earth, the redeemer of all mankind, there would be lights, there would be, I mean, fireworks, I mean, there would be a, but that's not what God did. Jesus entered the world in an extraordinarily undramatic way, right? He came down to the earth and he was born to, in, a, in a barn, with two people, maybe three or four others, scripture's not really clear. But the pattern is when Jesus introduced himself to humanity, it was to a very small group of people, again. He grew up in relative obscurity, and, he's, and then when he came in time of ministry, he primarily hang out with 12 guys, and what did he do? He released power and authority to those 12, and he said, go, right? Okay. Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity, now is making his appearance on the earth. So what we know, this is where we're, we're in the thick of it right now. Acts chapter 2. Following this pattern, the Holy Spirit fell on about 120 people. That is still a relatively small group of people when compared to all the peoples of the earth. Again, he could have like, it could have been a big show, but he didn't. He fell on 120 people. So understanding the patterns in Scripture is really important. And there's a couple things that stands out is God wants to partner with people for the mission of bringing his kingdom to the earth. Can you say amen? Can you say let's go? Come on, let's go. So this is the pattern. This is why Jesus said, go and wait for power. Now, we're going to get to that power because there's, there's one more thing we need to understand. This is a massive shift, okay? In, when, they, when the Holy Spirit came upon the earth, it also put a seal of a new covenant with God's people, okay? In the Old Testament, we're kind of familiar with the Old Testament, right? Okay? Another word for testament is covenant. And so... In, in the Old Testament, there was lots of rules. Did you, you know, to be in right standing with God, you had a lot of rules to fall, you know. Thou shalt do this. Thou shalt do that. In, this, in, in the Old Testament, um, God was, uh, the Old Covenant was like external. And it was distant. Like God was the man on the mountain, right? Like the, the fire, like, you know, we're like, the people were like, hey, we don't want to get close to him. Hey, Moses, why don't you go talk to him, <laughs> right? He's scary, dude. Like, I don't know, man. There's like, like, it's crazy. So in the Old Testament, much of the relationship with God was this distant uh, sort of kind of reality. And so with the new covenant, something has changed. When Jesus came on the earth, we studied the book of Matthew for how long? <laughs> for a year, and Jesus referred to the Old Testament and said, you've heard it said, referring to the old law. And he says, but now there's a new way. Okay. And the Holy Spirit's arrival on the earth was a demonstration. It was a seal 
of the new covenant. Okay? And so um, when what he was doing when he said this is God is saying now. So remember, so the fire used to be in the temple. You had to go to the mountain to see the fire of God. You had to go to the temple to see the fire of God. You had to go find God. But here's the fundamental shift is from the omnipresence of God. Now we live in a tangible presence of God. This is the launching of the, of the modern day church in the book of Acts. Okay. Now I've got a little diagram here. When we look at the, the omnipresence of God. Okay. The omnipresence of God. This was biblical. It was real. It was true to God's nature. God is everywhere. Theological. Okay. It, we understand it with our mind. Okay. It's available to all. It's universal. But it seems kind of passive. You know, in the Old Testament, it's, it's like God kind of pops in sort of randomly. Right. It's kind of like, okay, I guess he's here now. Right. Okay. Seems a little impersonal. Not all are welcome yet. We've got priests. They're the ones that are going to go into the temple, do the sacrifices on your behalf. Sort of kind of abstract. Okay. But now with the Holy Spirit, this is what changed. Is that now we have, the, we've, we have shifted from the omnipresence of God to the manifest presence of God. Okay. What we see with the manifest presence of God. There's some similarities, of course. It's biblical, it's real, it's true to God's nature. But instead of just this God being sort of, he's everywhere, you know, we kind of, oh, he's everywhere. But now, God is perceived locally. We now are able to sense God's presence in our worship. Do you realize before Acts chapter 2, that was not a reality, this is, I can't wrap my head around what it would have been like to be a believer, a follower of Jesus without the witness or the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now go to the next line across, instead of theological, just our brain, now it's transformational because God now has moved on the inside. You know, scripture calls us the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? And so now we can't, just say, oh, well, God's out there. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to follow the laws and do the things. We now get to partner with the Holy Spirit internally. Now, that's going to mean something for us. We're going to get to that. He's not only personal. Now he's active. He's covenantal. And he's way more specific. Now, this is where Acts chapter 2 becomes really important. Because no longer is God this distant God. Now God is this personal God. But this is what was really on one of the things that was on my heart for this morning is, um, now, if you have said these things, this is, not a, uh, this is not an accusation, but I know that believers, um, and this isn't just us, this is a broad statement. Many believers are still operating under the Old Testament thinking. Right? And I'm going to give you an example, and you might, have been, you might be able to think of some others. An example of this is, have you ever heard of the phrase, oh, the man upstairs? Anybody heard that phrase? Some of you might have just said it. I, you know, and that's okay. But that is a sign of the man upstairs. That is an Old Testament proclamation of your perception of God. Does that make sense? 
And God's like, no, no, no. I'm not long. I'm not in the upstairs. I'm right here in your living room. Right? And he's like, and you can talk to me like you can talk to a friend. That's the power. This is part of the, the, the mind-blowing thing of what's happening in Acts chapter 2 is now the power has come upon us as his people. All right? So I'm gonna, I want to challenge you this morning. If you are kind of a, well, God's the man upstairs kind of a person, I want to open the door to the attic and say, hey, God, hey, why don't you, why, why don't you come on downstairs? Why don't you meet with me at my table? All right, second thing, the power, okay? In Acts 1.8, which I've, we've read, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Um, I wanted to use some biblical examples, but I felt like the Holy Spirit just whispered his like, hey, you tell your story. And I'm like, God, I'm a weirdo. I don't, they're not... I don't know about that. <laughs> and, uh, and it's not that I'm ashamed of my story, but, um, but, but I like to stick with Scripture. And he was like, listen, bro, you're not doing a book report. Be yourself. And I'm like, okay. So, well, I hear you. I don't know. This is, you're going to get it. So, um, so I do want to tell you a little bit of my story, my testimony of how I first encountered the Holy Spirit. Um, now, one thing I want to say up front my story is not the standard, right? You should not say, oh, I want what, I want it. It didn't happen for me like that. Like that's, listen, the, the Trinity is the, they are the, they are so creative. Every one of us can have a unique experience and that's okay. All right. So here's my story is um, in 1996, I had uh, just finished my second year of community college and uh, I had grown up in the church and uh, in a denomination that uh, I won't say that they were necessarily resistant to the work of the Holy Spirit, but I don't think that I would say that they engaged with the Holy Spirit, if that makes sense. So I was really grateful because there's some denominations that are like, don't you, don't you be speaking in tongues, that's of the devil, you know, then there are some resistance to that, which incidentally, um, we often reject what we don't understand, Okay, uh, that happens all the time, whether it's spiritual things or whether it's things in our city or whether it's things in our house. Like, I don't, you know, I don't understand that. That can't be good. And that's not always the case. Right. OK. All right. So so I grew up in church and I'm reading the Bible and I'm reading like Acts and I'm like, man, there's there's some things happening here that I don't see happening in church. So I don't really understand. I ask a couple people at church and they're like, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I don't know. You know, just keep reading it, you know, jump into Romans, you know, and uh, okay, fine. And, um, but what happened was my second year of community college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And that's probably not particularly uncommon for college students, but I, I kind of paused and I had this deal with the Lord and I said, God, I, I really don't want to go forward unless I, I really want to know you. Like I can read the Bible, but I'm reading these things in the Bible and it seems like, it seems like there's something more, but I'm not, I'm not seeing it. And, uh, and so what I told him, I said, so I quit school. My dad did, sorry, dad, I think they're watching online. He did not like that when I was like, hey, I'm going to, and you're going to, 
you, you're going to know the full story here in just a minute. He was not crazy about the idea when I said, hey, I think I'm going to take some time off of school. He's like, no, just get your degree. Then you can take time off. I said, uh, on top of that, so I, I, I wanted to go kind of on this spiritual journey. I didn't really know what that looked like. And my roommate at the time said, hey, um, I got this ad in a magazine that uh, like you, we can go work in Alaska. And I was like, I don't know, sure, like, let's apply. Like, they're going to hire a couple guys from Kansas. And uh, so, uh, so this is all happening about the same time. I'm going kind of through this God, not questioning, but, like, desire. And, like, my roommate's like, we're done with it. You know, we got to finish this community college. And I said, sure, let's, let's apply. And lo and behold, we got the jobs, right? So a week after graduation, uh, I was on a plane to Alaska, and uh, when we got there, and, and so uh, it's all new and exciting. By the way, if you are pursuing the Holy Spirit, you do not have to go to Alaska, right? <laughs> that is not a prerequisite. The Holy Spirit is right here. Uh, this is just my story, okay? So, so we get into, so I get in Alaska, and we start working, and you know, I, I don't know, I am just kind of eternally curious, and so like, there's people, there's things, there's all, I mean, there's mountains, and so I sort of forgot about this, you know, for the first two months I was there, uh, sort of forgot about this little quest that I was on to like, God, I want to encounter you, and uh, so it kind of hit me about two months, I'm sure it was the spirit prompting me, I said, hey, remember that thing? I said, oh, yeah, 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 okay. So, uh, so we were, I was working at this little resort kind of in the middle of nowhere, and I had heard that there was a local pastor that came to pick up seasonal employees. And so I got a hold of that guy, and I said, hey, I'd, I'd like a ride to church. I didn't know anything about the church. And uh, so I picked him up, went to church. Uh, first thing we did was Sunday school. Uh, I was like, hey, this is cool. This feels good. You know, be back in the church and, uh, you know, going to Sunday school. Then we went upstairs. And what I did not know, I did not know what the term spirit-filled, charismatic, I, I didn't know anything about what that was all about, right? I had some friends. They were kind of the weird friends. And, you know, you, you kind of talk to them, and, but you just don't bring up anything about uh, So, anyway, so we went upstairs, and it was actually relatively, really normal. We started, we started worship, and, uh, uh, and, and I still remembered it was so vivid. I think they were actually singing Jesus Loves Me, such a simple pure like worship song and and I'm singing I really don't I don't know anybody and and like out of the corner of the room like something starts happening okay so now remember I've had like zero supernatural like experiences and out of the corner of that room like something starts sort of moving now I'm like okay God this is like what's happening all right like the wall this is where it gets weird okay please this doesn't have to happen to you. This is my story, all right? But the walls kind of, I don't know if they really happened. I don't know if this is my imagination. But what I know is that there was something, now I know was the Holy Spirit, encountered me on that day. And when that hit me, it was like I began to weep. Some of you have weeped in here and like you kind of get like, what's happening? I had never cried a day in church ever. And I'm like, I can't stop. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, it was so heavy. The presence of God was so heavy. I had to sit down, right? And like, I opened my eye and like, there's some people laying on the floor. I'm like, I don't know what that's all about. I closed my eyes. <laughs> and if you've been in one of those services, you know, and, and that's whatever. And I just like, you know, and I just, 
I'm just feeling the presence of God. I'm weeping. And something else that was really unique is, uh, th- that happened was my ears were opened. And I, and I don't know what exactly I heard, but I think that I heard the purified worship of those worshipers rising up into heaven and what it sounded like. It was the most beautiful thing that I've ever heard, and I've never heard it again since. It was unbelievable. And so I heard that. I'm crying. This lady next to me, she's like, I bet you're glad you came today. I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) And, you know, and the rest of the service was fine. And I... I, I left church, and it scared me so bad, I never went back to that place. <laughs> I really should contact that church someday and let them know my testimony that happened, you know, again in 1996. And so, to try to quantify what happened, like, I don't know that I can do that through a, a Bible study or, or a book report, but what I know is that when I came home that, from that trip, I was different. Something had shifted and changed in me. I was renewed in a way like I had. Now, I, did God tell me what I was supposed to do? Nope. I still had no idea. What, I'm still not sure what I'm supposed to do with my life. I think I'm doing it. <laughs> I think we're here. But, but here's, here's what I really want to Part of what I want to drive home about this is there's a lot of Christians, and especially here in America, you know, in in other parts of the country, the church is really thriving because they don't get hung up about this spirit stuff. They're moving in it. They're flowing in it. They're seeing miracles. They're doing all that. But our Western brain, like, I got to have myself sort of put together when I go to church. Like, it's kind of getting in the way sometimes. And, and this is what the Spirit kind of, as I was preparing, this is kind of what we've done a little bit is that we, the church, and I'm saying the American church primarily, we've put this high pinnacle of getting saved. Like, hey, we just got to get you saved. And we're like, okay, I'm saved. Now what? I don't know. Go save some more people. Like, salvation is not the pinnacle of our lives on the earth. Salvation is a title deed to your heart that was paid for by Jesus on the cross. And you're like, show me that in scripture. I'd be happy to. I think they've got it up here. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. Listen to this. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ forgiving all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. Some translations say he canceled the record of debt. Salvation is your title deed into eternity. But there's so many believers that just stop there. Yay, I'm not going to hell. That's just the beginning. It's the title deed to your heart. And some of you like... I get it. You look at your heart and you're like, oh boy, I don't, I don't want to go there. I'm just, I'm just going to keep going this way. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. We got to build something together. We got to build something. We remember we have left the old covenant 
and we're now into the new covenant. Jesus wants to transform your heart. We have many people in here that kind of have land or are at least a little bit familiar with nature. You know what happens when you let ground go for a while? All kinds of craziness things just pop up. Before Christ, that's what happened in our hearts. We had all kinds of the ways of the world within us, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit to come and transform our hearts into what God's kingdom wants, what God's purposes is for you. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 goes on to further explain part of what this salvation experience should be. Is it a moment in time? Absolutely, it's a moment in time. But it also, it doesn't stop happening. Second thir- sorry, Second Thessalonians 2.13 says, As for us, we can't help but to thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. We're always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation. A salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy. When you are saved, the title deed is yours. But it's a continual making process. And that's why we need the power of the Spirit. That's why in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God fell on the upper room, they were transformed now on the inside. They didn't have to go to the temple. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this filling of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's been called by several different names. Filling of the Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, second working of grace. There's several different names, but uh, to avoid all the theological elements, it's inviting a fresh, we sang about it all morning. It's inviting a fresh. We need a fresh measure of the Spirit every day, right? Um. There's a Scottish minister called Martin Lloyd-Jones, and, uh, and I really like his description of being filled with the Spirit because, one, it's not scary, and I think it's more accurate than some of maybe what we've heard. And he describes it like this. It's like there's a father walking with their child hand in hand, okay, just walking along enjoying a stroll. The, the child's, you know, we're, the, the father is Father God, and we are the child. And we're walking along, and every once in a while, you know, you know the child's feeling safety and, and peaceful and just joy being in the presence of their father. And then every once in a while, that father will scoop the child up, you know, maybe throw him in the air, pull them close, and say, I'm so glad that you're mine. I love you. And it sort of short circuits all the fuses in that little, little guy or that little girl, and, and, and it's like it just sort of resets them and... He set them, you know, the father sets the child back down and they continue on the walk. And, and that child can, feels like, I know my father loves me. I, I feel like I can do anything. Have you had those moments in your life where like somebody says something to you or you get touched by the Lord and you're like, I can do anything. I know what God thinks about me. I know what his word says about me is true. This, this idea of being filled with the Spirit is, it's not so you can speak in tongues. That's part of it. And I hope everybody speaks in tongues. 
But the speaking of tongues, the working of miracles, that's not really the point of the power. Right? I'm going to read this again. Acts 1.8. I know you might be tired of it. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. What's the point of the power? There's two things. One, that you would know intimacy with God like you've never known it before. And two, when you experience that, you can't help but to radiate. And people are going to say, it's the easiest conversation. They're going to say, hey, why are you different? It's probably, if you are going around town speaking in tongues and casting out devils, probably people aren't going to come up and say, hey, what's different about you? (laughs) Now, that's not bad. We need that. We need the power. We need the supernatural gifts. But if we don't walk in a transformed life, then the evidence is not going to be near as effective. What does this power look like? Of course, the power can be dramatic. I've seen, I've been in some services, y'all. The power of God can be dramatic. Hands can regenerate. Eyesight can be restored. People can be remarkably healed. Miracles are happening. Uh, there is speaking in tongues. There's all kinds of things that we could study, but that's not wasn't the wasn't what was on my heart because Acts chapter two. That's not the point. That's a result. The point is that we would be filled with power, that we would have an intimate walk with with the Lord that is closer than no other. That you are so filled with hope that with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you can overcome it all. There's some of you. Um, that frankly have maybe been frustrated with being a Christian. You're like, well, I'm saved, but frankly, it's kind of boring. <laughs> That's real. There's a lot of churches in America that are, that are boring. Come do the whole same thing. We read the Bible, we go home, we have lunch, and we do it all again next week. I don't want to discount that, but there's more. There's so much more. Remember when I start, so at a, on a personal level, this power might not be, God might, you know, your first filling with the Spirit, you may not go and walk in miracles. Okay, that, that's okay. But what it might look like is maybe you're struggling to, to budget. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're struggling to forgive. Maybe you're struggling to um, be disciplined in eating. Power from the Holy Spirit looks like overcoming those things. Power in the Spirit might look like not getting as angry with your children as you did last time. Because you're being transformed little by little. We want the big. We want the, I want to pray for somebody and their hand grow back. Hey, bro, how about, how about, you, how about you just be nice to people? Some of us need the power of the Holy Spirit just to be nice, right? Okay. Power from the Holy Spirit is transforming us to be radiant people. That's why Jesus said, you need to wait 
to receive power. He was like, Peter, I appreciate your heart, but I don't like your follow through. <laughs> you know the story of Peter. Peter was like, you know, on this side of the, you know, the trial, you know, Peter's like, I'll die with you, Jesus. And then when he's about, Jesus is about ready to die, and a 16-year-old said, hey, weren't you with Jesus? No, I don't, what? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But Peter, I think, is probably a good representation of many of us. Peter needed the power to be a witness. I wholeheartedly believe that here at Faith Church, um, God is stirring something in us. I don't know if you have sensed it or felt it in the community. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. If you're leaning into the things of the Spirit, I think that you have sensed it. There's a curiosity stirring right now about things of the Spirit. And I don't think it's just here. I think God is doing something even in our nation. I don't know if you heard about this. It's, sometimes it's easy to get discouraged because we're like, is God even still moving? Here's the thing is, our, our national media does not usually report on things that God is doing. A month ago in California, <laughs> if you follow California, there's some things. Uh, you may not want to follow California, but uh, a month ago, like this is recent news. There was one event and over 4,500 people, well, I think it was 45, around, we'll say 4,000 people were baptized. God is stirring. and y'all, That's half of Fort Scott. If he can do that in California, he can do that here. Man, I want to see friends. I want to see people in this community set free. But we do this not by our own cool words and our own cool programs. We do that because the power of spirit within us. Remember, I, I did the pattern of when the Godhead introduced to humanity. When God came on the scene, Jesus came on the scene, Holy Spirit came on the scene. I think a lot of people might say, well, if God's real, why doesn't he show himself? Why don't we see miracles? I've prayed a hundred times and I've not seen a healing. And I don't have the answer to why I have an opinion. (laughs) But I don't have a, I, I can't speak on the mind of God on that. But what I do know. And all through the the pattern of God is he has always chosen to partner with people to release his power. It's all through scripture. You are those peoples. You're like, wait a minute. I'm here for the first time. I didn't sign. What? Uh, Cool. This is an invitation. And uh, and I want to invite you to, if, if you would stand up with me before we dismiss here. We're going to take just a few minutes. Now, this is the part you're like, okay, the sales pitch has been given. Now, here's, he's going to ask something of us. <laughs> no, I'm not going to ask you to pray in tongues. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to, I wanted today to present the Holy Spirit like I know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is my friend. The Holy Spirit's not going to make you do anything. God does not go where he's not invited. So this morning, you might have had some kind of pre-ideas about the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. And I'm not even saying you need to buy into all of that or any of that. The invitation is, is simply say, God, I want to receive 
your filling and your power because I want to be transformed. If you are tired, if you feel like you're in a rut, that you can't overcome things in your life, it's because you need the power of God and it's a partnership. The Old Testament was people doing it on their own. They would, people would bring the sacrifices. People would do the work. People would follow the rules and all that. Now it's God that does the heavy lifting. It's God that wants to release the power, but you have to invite that in. So um, Taylor's going to, uh, we're just going to take like a minute or two, maybe three. She's going to sing over us. And I just want you to, you, I invite you to close your eyes. Don't close your eyes. Do whatever you want. <laughs> but I want you to posture your heart. I want you to ask God. You say, Father God, I, I might, this may be weird. This may not. I don't know what it is this for you. But I want you to ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Because our call is to be radiant people. To partner with God. To transform the place we live. What an amazing invitation. Thank you, Father. We need a fresh yes. Fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit on. Come on, Lord. Pour your spirit on. Father, would you fill us up right now? I pray that you would touch people right now. I pray that you would... Your tangible presence would be present for, for, for many who have never felt that tangible presence before. Father, I ask that you would come, rest upon us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. exclusive club. I think some people may be resistant, like, oh, they can do it, but I don't know that that'll ever happen to me. That's what I hear the Spirit whispering. And I just want to say that's not true. The invitation is for everyone. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone in the room. The promise is for you. The power to be empowered, to be radiant is for you. You might be thinking, I can't overcome that. I've tried a hundred times. And in your own strength, you're right. You may not be able to. You, you, it's clear you can't. Invite the Holy Spirit into that process. Thank you, Jesus.
Father, we thank you. We thank you for being here this morning with us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your tangible presence that you didn't want to leave us alone, but you wanted to give us power to continue the mission that Jesus started. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Whew, God is good. I pray the Spirit filled you. Today, before we go, we're going to, if you'll put the words on the screen, we're going to read this blessing together. And I also want to invite you, if, if, you're, if you're like, man, I've, I just can't get it. I just can't figure it out. I, I feel like there's a block. We've got a prayer team over here. They'd love to pray with you. Um, you know, grab somebody, come talk to somebody, pray. You don't have to do this alone, right? If you're struggling to kind of make sense of some things, just, let's talk, okay? Uh, prayer team is over there. And uh, let's read this together, all right? Nice and loud. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face. I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we want to help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social, text a coworker the link. Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub, faithchurchks.org. You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.